Praise God. If you got your Bible this morning, I ask you to open it up to Genesis chapter 11. This morning we're going to be looking at the story of the Tower of Babel. Some of you are familiar with this story. Some of you are not. Uh, if you've been here the past few weeks, then you know that we're in the middle of a series right now called Living Stones. The Bible says that the church is like a city on a hill. The Bible says that the church is like a flock and Jesus is a shepherd. The Bible says that the church is to be the salt of the earth. The Bible says that the church is like a building made of living stones. Those stones have been cut and polished by Jehovah Jeweler, and then he sets those stones within that living building where his presence lives. So the Bible talks a lot about what the church is. Last week we started looking at the church as a body. A whole chapter, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, is dedicated to uh, Paul explaining to the Corinthians that the church is not just a city on a hill, it's not just living stones, but it's actually a body. In the same way that your human body functions, that's the way the church is designed to to function. Uh, we, we looked and saw last week that your body has nine major systems, your skeletal system, your digestive system, your reproductive system, your endocrine system. These nine systems, whenever they're put together, they function and they make your body. And how many are glad you got all nine of them? Yeah, baby, you don't want to miss a one. It's like, I need my bones. You want the circulatory system. You want all nine of these systems working together because whenever they're functioning in their place, doing what God designed them to do, then you can live and you can accomplish some things. Not that you couldn't live without one or a part of your body. If we cut your arm off, you're going to be all right. You could still do some things, but God designed you to have two arms, two kidneys, two lungs. He designed your body to have all of its parts working together in chapter 12 1 Corinthians it says the eye can't say to the hand I don't need you or the foot can't say to the hand I don't need you and the eye can't say to the ear I don't need you he says if the whole body were an eye where would the hearing be so every one of the parts of the body they're all different and yet they're all needed the church is full of different characters I mean I know there's some characters in the church all different types of characters, but the church is made up of individuals and they're all needed. But last week we ended upon, there's one warning in that whole chapter. The whole chapter he's talking about how amazing the body of Christ is. That Jesus is the central nervous system. He is the head and he transmits through the body assignments. And it's the, the body gets its uh, instructions from the head and it goes down and then it's the the body's responsibility to carry out the instructions of Jesus, the head of the church. And, and we get these instructions and we're supposed to move. But the thing about a body is, and I shared this with you last week, is that it takes 200 muscles to, to take one step. In other words, you can have a brain, but a brain without 200 muscles is not going anywhere. For your body right now to get up off its hiney and to take a step, it's going to take 200 muscles engaging to just take one step. So if Jesus is the head of the church, it's not just his head that's going to make the difference. There's got to be at least 200 muscles that are willing to take just one step. For this church, a body of believers, uh, that, that Jesus is the head of this church. And, and 
I believe we give it heart and vision and all that. But, but you can have a heart and you can have a head. But without 200 people that are willing to take that step, then a church will just sit there on the corner and never do anything. But once people listen to the head and they catch the heart and the vision and they allow the life and the blood of Jesus to pump through those 60,000 miles of blood vessels in your body right now, then those muscles can start moving and you can, you can actually really do some things. So the, the human body is amazing. The body of Christ is amazing. And yet in verse 25, he gives us one warning. And that's kind of where we left off last week. And the warning, he says, is he says, be careful. He says, let there be no division or disunion within the body. Goes on and on about how amazing it is. But he says, but you better watch because he says within that body, if things aren't unified, if things are in disunion, then you have a problem. So I want to look at the story of Babel this morning and about uh, the good in Babel. Most people that preach about Babel uh, preach about all the bad stuff about it. And no doubt they missed it in a lot of ways. But I want to look at the three things that I believe they got right. And if I believe if you take these three things and incorporate them to anybody, whether it's a, a family body mom dad two kids and a dog right that's a little body right there or whether it's your business a career whatever I believe if you'll do these three principles you can you can put them in any facet and they'll absolutely work so I'm going to read here in the 11th chapter of Genesis starting in verse 1 and then I'm going to pray together after I read and then we're going to take off have y'all ready have y'all awake y'all ate Wheaties and stuff this morning y'all all right here we go. I got just a few minutes, so uh, it's going to be great. Praise God. Let's read verse 1. It says, Now the whole earth had one language. Everybody say one. And one speech. Say one again. And it came to pass that as they journeyed from the east, they found the plain in the land of Shinar, and they dwelt there. Who's they? Well, in the story right here, we have Noah. How many of y'all familiar with Noah. Man, you gotta love Noah. God, just like, just like that dear brother. Uh, the whole world has gone to pot, but God found a man named Noah. And he told Noah, he said, listen, I'm going to flood the whole earth. But I, Noah didn't know what a flood was. It's never rained before. But Noah obeyed the word of God when it looked silly and ridiculous. And the Bible says that Noah built an ark for the saving of his family. I love that verse. God, we need people that are willing to build an ark for the saving of their family. Why? No one knew judgment's coming, bad things are coming, but God gave him a plan. So he builds the ark, 40 days, 40 nights, lots of rain, the whole earth floods, the water goes down, and then this boat uh, hits the bank. And in the first verse of chapter 9, the Bible says that Noah and his sons get off of the boat. They kill a fatted calf and they give a blood offering or a covenant offering to God. Now, that's the first place that the word covenant is used in the Bible. They, they, they kill an animal. They burn the animal. And back then, some of you are like, man, this is really strange. Back then in the Old Testament, the Bible says with no, without shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. That's why the Lamb of God had to hang on a cross and for his innocent blood to be shed for you and I to have eternal life come on somebody so back then they had to use animals for this because Jesus had not come yet so so Je so Noah kills the animal he presents this offering to the Lord and then the Bible says that the Lord blessed Noah and blessed his sons come on how many of y'all believe in the blessing 
Come on, Noah, God just conferred a blessing and said, Noah, you're blessed. You obeyed, and, and, and your kids, they are blessed. Come on, he didn't just stop with Noah. He said, generationally, he says, your kids are going to be blessed. And then in, in verse 1, he says, go out, fill the earth. He says, I want you to cover the face of the earth. And here, this is where we're at right now. Several centuries have passed, and these people, Noah's descendants, have come to the land of Babylon, modern-day Iraq that's where they're at right now is they are in modern-day Babylon and that the, the, the boat uh, they've uh, they've walked into this valley here and now they, they've got a plan in their heart let's see what their plan was verse 2 it says it came to pass that as they journeyed the east they found a plain the land of Shinar they dwelt there and they said one to another come let us make bricks and bake them thoroughly and they had brick for stone, and they had asphalt for mortar. And they said, Come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower whose top is in the heavens. Let us make a name for ourselves, lest we be scattered abroad over the face of the whole earth. But the Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the sons of men had built. And the Lord said, indeed, the people are one. Everybody say one. And they all have one language. How many of y'all starting to get the hint? One language. And he says, and this is what they begin to do. And now nothing that they propose to do will be withheld from them. Everybody say amen to that. God here leaves heaven. Come on, you got to be impressed when somebody gets God to come down. God says, let us. He says, come on, Jesus, Holy Spirit, we're going down. So they're trying to build a tower up into heaven, and they're, they're uh, uh, so amazing at what they're doing. God says, listen, I'm going to actually come down to see what's going on. And as he arrives to see what's going on, he says, nothing, uh, these people, nothing can be withheld from them. Whatever they try to accomplish, he says, they're doing some things right here. And because of what they're doing right, nothing's too difficult for them. Nothing is impossible for him. Verse 7 says, let us go down there and confuse their language that they may not understand one another's speech. So the Lord scattered them abroad from over the face of the earth and they ceased building the city. Therefore, its name is called Babel because there the Lord confused the language of all the earth. And from there, the Lord scattered them abroad over all the face of the earth. Here, this is a common, uh, the story of Babel is one that most people know. And again, a lot of times they preach the bad in it, but I want to see what they did right. Because they must have done something that was impressive to God. They must have done something that was worth him coming down to see exactly what was going on. And I believe that they did three things. The, the, uh, they were united in three fronts. Come on, and if we're talking about the body of Christ, then he says, listen, make sure that there's no disunity among you. There must be something to the fact that if you can stay united and be united, then nothing can be withheld from you. Come on, there's something about when a mom and a dad gets the kids together and that they're united in their purpose, they're united in their vision, they're united in their voice, then nothing is impossible to them. 
that, that not just in a church setting, but any facet, any area of your life, if you can implement these things, just see what they did at Babel. And then nothing is impossible. So I believe that in three areas they were united. And, and the three areas are they were united in their vision. They were united in their voice. And then they were united in their action. If you have a bulletin, you can write it down in there. Some of you have got one. They were united in their vision. The first thing is they had vision. Come on, they had a dream. There's something about the power of a dream that will keep you going in a direction no matter how hard or how difficult, no matter what people try to shake you off of that vision. Come on, how many of y'all thank God for Dr. King, right? Martin Luther King, he said, I have a dream. He had a dream and he wouldn't let anybody, people trying to throw him off of that dream and he surrounded himself with people that had the same dream the same vision that the same passion is what he had listen some of you have had a dream but you lost that dream some of you never had a dream but i've talked and spoken to some of you say man i want to start my own business man just hold on to that dream you say i, I want to be married or i want a kid or i want to retire but say amen to that Come on, I have a dream of retirement. Whatever your dream is, these people had tremendous vision. And, and, and I like that their vision was big. I mean, I don't think it was ambitious. He said, man, we're going to build something so big it goes right up into the clouds. And I, I love that whenever God came down, he didn't get on to them for their, for their ambition. He didn't get on to him and say, you're trying to go too big. It's too big. It's too large. God never says that. I don't believe God gets on to us for big dreams. I don't think he, 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 he gets upset whenever you set, uh, you, just, you just shoot for the moon. Come on, I have a little, a little, and I've shared this with you before, for probably the past 10 years. Before we ever had kids, I have a little, little thing that says, shoot for the moon confessions. And there's about 10 things on there that I would just speak over my life every day for years. I have a, a strong uncompromising marriage that is an example to others i was saying that stuff before we even got married i have strong healthy kids that are passionate about serving god william noble and caroline ansley before they were ever in their mother's womb i already had them a name and i was already saying what kind of people that they were gonna be and that dream of that vision just brought them right into being not that they won't ever have problems and maybe the not that they won't ever have struggles but it's not because i don't have a dream for them it's not because i don't have a vision for him and and i want it to be big come on be the president i don't care be i don't care who you want to be just just be as big as you want to be they had vision habakkuk chapter 2 says write the vision come on get a vision for your heart get a vision for your life. what was their vision they said we're going to build us a city and a tower and he says and it's going to reach up to heavens they were ambitious and that, that dream was a common dream. You've got to understand that the, the Jewish tradition, they estimate that there's about 600,000 people here at this moment. 600,000 people getting together. This is not like, you know, like the VFW or something, like a little potluck meal or something. This is thousands and thousands and thousands of people that are unifying their purpose unifying their vision unifying their dream come on i love good ceos that know how to get the vision of the company and run with it we have a dream and a vision for this church listen we have to constantly be communicating pursuing that the second thing they didn't just have vision 
but they had the same voice. How many times did it say that they had one language, but not just one language? He says that they had one speech. What's that mean? Well, you can have a bunch of Chinese people all speaking Chinese, but that doesn't necessarily mean they're all saying the same thing. Let me know what I'm talking about. You can have one family of Burnses. We're Burnses. I'm a Burns. I can have a whole family of Burnses all talking Burnsese. And yet some of the Burnses can be talking about how all things are possible to him that believes. And the other Burnses can be saying, you can't do that. You're not qualified to do that. You did some horrible things. And so we're all speaking the same language, but we aren't all saying the same thing. This is a group of people that weren't just all speaking one language, but they were all actually saying the same words. They're saying, we are going to build a city. And we're going to build a wall around that city. And we're going to build a tower. So they unified their voice. Come on, what happens in marriages whenever the husband says one thing and the wife says another thing? Or they don't say anything at all. It says here that they communicated one with another. Come on, there's power in moms and dads and husbands and CEOs saying the same thing move in the same direction and, and well, well, well what kind of vision do you th I mean what kind of voice should you have I believe you should have a voice that lines up with the Bible I mean I know the Bible says some very specific things and if you'll line your words up with the Bible's words then amazing things can happen y'all remember the story of Moses how many y'all remember Mo most of y'all remember Moses? God told Moses, he says, Moses, I'm going to give you a promised land. And that land is flowing with milk and honey. Back then, that must have been apparently good. Now, if I was looking for an awesome land, I would be looking for something besides milk and honey. But apparently back then, if you were going to find a really good land, it had some great cows and some really good beehives. And he, but he says, listen, this land that I've got for you is flowing with milk and with honey. It's fertile land. And it's yours for the taking. So Moses takes 12 spies. He takes one, one, one person from each of the 12 families. And he says, God says, that's our property over there. I want you to go look and see what that property looks like. So the 12 spies go over there. And the Bible says for 40 days, they spied out the land. And then they came back to Moses and they said, Moses, that we took one cluster of grapes one cluster, and it took two people to carry that one cluster of grapes. He says it's flowing with milk. It's flowing with honey. It's fertile. It's an amazing, it's, a, it's amazing. And God says that it's ours. But did you know that of the 12 people that said how amazing that the land was, only two of them said, we can do it. Ten out of the twelve came back and said, that land is amazing, but there's some Hittites, some Amorites, some Amalekites, and these boys are large. I mean, I remember the story of Goliath that said how much his sword weighed and how much his, his shield weighed, that Goliath was, a, was a, a, a specimen. And the Bible says that this whole land was occupied by some giants occupied by these huge 10 foot tall men so 10 of the boys came back and said listen the land's awesome but we're like grasshoppers in their sight they will mush us like a bug we don't have a chance and then they started complaining they said we should go back to Egypt Pharaoh was nicer than us God said we can go have that land but that land is full of giants there's no way that we can possess that land but two of the boys y'all know the two boys Joshua and Caleb 
But I like Joshua and Caleb. Joshua and Caleb said, let us go up at once. Come on, if God is for us, it don't matter if they're 80 feet tall. I don't care if there's 9 million of them. We just walked across the Red Sea on dry land, you nincompoops. What are you talking about? We just walked through an ocean, and now you're going to say that some 10-foot men are going to keep us out of what God has promised us? You are a fool. Let us go at once. Why? What they do, they just lined up their words with with God's words come on they, they didn't settle they didn't they didn't line up their words with grandma's words or grandpa's words or their crazy aunt or their their, their nutty sister no they said come on we believe the word of the Lord God said that if he's for us it don't matter who's against that a thousand can fall on this side ten thousand on this side and it won't come nigh me he surrounds us with favor like a shield nothing is impossible for us so these two boys two out of the twelve said they just lined up their voice with God's words you know who got the promised land Joshua and Caleb you know what happened to the other 10 we don't know they didn't make it in but the two boys that said if God said it it's good enough for me they totally that they made it in they're the only two that made it the rest of them died in the wilderness they never made it in Joshua and Caleb they made it in why because their voice just lined up with the voice of God so vision voice the last one is their actions Come on, it's not enough for you to have vision. And it's not enough for you to line your voice up with, with that vision. you got to put some action to it. What, what kind of action did they do here? It's open book test. The first thing they did is they had a plan. How many people got a vision for their life and don't have a plan? Come on, Jesus said in Luke chapter 14, Luke chapter 14, he says, Who would build a tower? Put it up there. Just put it up there in Jesus' name. Oh, for which, this is Jesus' red letters. I don't have red letters up there. We should, but it says, for which of you intending to build a tower does not sit down first and count the cost, whether he has enough to finish it, lest after he has laid the foundation and is not able to finish it, all who see just the foundation there, they will begin to mock him. And they say, this man, look at you turn water into wine this man began to build and was not able to finish it the very next verse jesus says listen only a fool would go to war without sitting down and finding out if he has what it takes to win the first thing these people did is they got a plan they had a vision they began to communicate that vision they were unified in their purpose we're building a city and the city's going to be huge and it's going to be awesome and it's going to be a testimony to everybody about who we are and then they got a plan and they said what was their plan they said all right we're going to get some rock we're going to make some bricks all right, you're going, you're, going, you're going to be the harvester. Go get some straw. All right, you're going to go get some mud. All right, you're going to be the baker. You're going to, you're going to, you're going to, you're going to operate the kiln. You're going, to, you're going to be the one with the broken down wheelbarrow that keeps tumping the bricks over. Have you ever done that? He says, you're going to be the hauler. He says, they had a plan. They says, we're going to take this for mortar. We're going to take this for bricks. And as a unit, we're going to... We're going to plan. They had a plan. Somebody had to draw it up. Say, well, are we going to do a pyramid? That seems like a good idea, but I really like the square buildings. Think they're more aesthetic. Well, I really like the cone. Somebody had to come up with a plan as to what they're going to do. So once you get that vision in your heart and that dream, whether it's start a business or get married, we had to have a plan. We said, we want to get married. My daddy said, what? <laughs> You're broke. 
I said, oh, no, man, but we got a plan. So we sat down and we got out our little budget sheet. And it's like, well, I work at Outback waiting tables. And I, I clean up bricks for a carpenter. So I said, okay, I get this much dollars an hour for this, and I can make this much tips on a good day. And you always estimate that you're going to make that every night. It's like, well, this one time I made $97. So f Lord knows every night I'm going to make $97. So, I mean, that's like a cool 500 right there, plus my brick laying. And she's working at the church house, making a few dollars. So I was like, oh, we got this. So then my dad's like, well, where are you going to live? And I said, well, I really like this house over there. And he's like, you can't live in the house you can't so we had to go through this whole process go through a plan we wound up living in section eight it's our first home section eight house and 255 dollars a month for a two-bedroom apartment it was awesome boom <laughs> come on but we had a plan we, th that was our plan we had to sit down and figure out can we do this or do we need to do it later? Do, do, how, how can we make this happen? They had a plan. The second thing they, that they had is they were willing to work their butt off. When's the last time you made bricks? Anybody? Anybody in here make bricks? Come on, br you liar. Come on. Oh, excuse me. Man, uh, bricks is hard. Come on, how long is it going to take to build this tower one brick at a time? In the sun, the bacon, the, come on, they had to purpose in the heart. This is not going to be an overnight thing. For us starting a church, it's not going to be an overnight thing. It's going to take one brick at a time. One brick is for you to start a business. Many of you start a business, you kind of know. It, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be one brick at a time. Sometimes it's going to be touch and go. But you got to be committed. you got to hold that vision. I believe if Martin Luther King, if he wouldn't have died, he'd still, he would be working for PETA. He would be working for somebody that he would still be dreaming and still be pursuing and still be going forward. That he had, he had the ability to take that dream and to see that thing through and to put the effort behind it to work. So they had a plan. They were willing to work hard. And then there's one scripture. There's one word. The Lord always puts one word in the scripture that I don't like. Just one. You might want to guess what the one word in this scripture is. Come on, Marlisa. You're smart. Journalism major. Thoroughly. Thoroughly. That word just jumps off at me. He says, we're going to take some bricks. And we're going to make the bricks and we're going to bake them thoroughly. What's that mean? He says we're not going to cut corners or we're not going to do it halfway. He says we're going to bake these babies. That way whenever the pressure is on, then they won't crumble under the pressure. Yeah, we can only bake them for four hours so that they would make that little hard sound when you knock on them. But he said if it's going to stand the test of time, we got to do it the right way. Come on, we're talking about being unified in any area of your life that you want to be amazing. You can get a vision and you can hook your voice of possibility and faith in God up to that vision. You can be willing to work your behind off and to do it right. Come on, he said, we're going to do it right. We're going to do it thoroughly. So with unified vision and voice, and they put action to that. The, the, God said, there's nothing impossible for these people. Come on, we just went and saw Gravity. You might see that new movie, Gravity. Oh, Lord. Oh, that movie. And it's just amazing because I always get amazed by uh, the create this uh, man's ability to just do amazing things. We stood out in the driveway the other night and watched uh, the space station fly over our house. Did anybody else do that? Some of y'all? Nobody? 
No? Bachelorette? Is that what y'all are doing? That's what y'all are doing, right? Y'all are dancing with the stars. You missed the space station flew over your house. Just kidding. <laughs> So we, we stood out there and we watched this space station fly over our house. And if you watch Gravity and you just think about the, uh, how amazing man is, the things that we can accomplish, not just learning how to fly a plane. I mean, that's, that's amazing enough to go to the Chenault Air thing and, and watch these people in these planes is amazing. But to, but to see what man can accomplish, nothing is impossible with man. As long as they'll meet the requirements. Well, where did they miss it? This is where most people, they talk about Babel. Oh, where did they miss it? Because it's obvious that they got some things right or God wouldn't have came down and said, ain't nothing too difficult for these folks. They could, uh, they could do this in any area of their life. They'd, they'd be amazing. Well, they, they missed it in a few areas. What's the first area they missed? First area they missed is they just didn't obey God. Well, that's a big one. That's a, that's a big one. Well, how did, they obey, how did they not obey? Oh, the, well, the Bible says that God told Noah and his sons, he says, I want you to spread out all over the whole face of the earth. And they said, let us not spread out over the face of the earth. Let us build a city and walls around the city and let's build us a tower. They said, so that we don't have to spread out over the face of the earth. Listen, God tells us to do things sometimes that we don't want to do. Come on, some of you guys have been telling you to do something for years. You say, I don't want to do that. I want to build a wall around my little city right here, and I'm not interested in doing what God told me to do. Come on, God, he speaks to our heart. He gives us instructions. He gives us assignments. But it's up to us whether or not we obey or disobey those assignments. They had an opportunity to obey God. The Bible says that God blessed them. Come on, you're blessed, spread out all over the face of the earth. And they said right there, they said, we don't want to scatter over the face of the earth. Well, come on, there's been many times the Lord's told me to do things I didn't want to do. And sometimes I just said no. No, Jesus. No, I will not. No, I will not. I'm not interested in that. Come on, how many y'all think God's, I, I love, he's patient, isn't he? Isn't he pay, any more patient than we are? Like, I give my kids, like, get your butt up there and clean it right now. That's about it. You know, that's like, get your butt up there, huddle. Hey, come on. I mean, I'm telling Noble, telling Ansley, hey, make it happen. Come on, God will tell us, he says, you need to do this. I've given you six years. I've been talking to you about doing this for six years. And for six years, you keep telling me no. For me, I knew ever since I was a kid that the Lord wanted me to work for him. You know what I told him? I ain't work for you. You're crazy. I'm going to have to marry some Russian or something weird and wind up in some weird country, you know, working at some type of weird establishment, doing something with foreign people. I'm not doing it. So for years... Man, for years, I didn't do it, refused to do it, ran from the Lord, just ref- just totally would not do it. But there came a time after about four car wrecks and, uh, and incarceration, uh, that there were there just things that the Lord, he just, uh, and the minute, the minute, the minute, minute you do stuff like that, he just brings it back to you. He's like, this is not, this is not your assignment. I, you're supposed to be doing this. He said, I really don't want to do that. I really don't. And he's patient. Thank God he's so patient. Because finally, finally. I made the decision. I said, all right, I'll do it. But it, sometimes we don't want to do it. These people, they didn't want to do it. How I many of y'all know Jonah? He didn't want to do it. I want you to go preach to Nineveh. I'm not going to Nineveh. That's the last thing I'm going to do. Say, well, you can live in a whale for a few days. All right, Nineveh it is. I'll see you over there. You will make some fish sandwiches. We'll be over, I'll be over there when you get done, right? He totally did it. 
So the first thing is, is they disobeyed. The second thing they did wrong is they settled. It said they came to Shinar and they settled there. God didn't want them to settle. God doesn't want you to settle. Sometimes you get your own little family. You got your little thing going on. You got your own little church. Got enough members there. You build a wall all the way around that thing. And you stop. You just start. uh, you, You stop reaching out. Say, well, I've got mine. God says, I never intended you just to settle there. He says, I've intended you to, Jesus said, go into all the world and preach to teach the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ to Samaria, to the Jew, to the Gentile. He says, I have the great commission. I have an assignment on your life, and it doesn't involve you just settling. He says, no, you can't settle. What do they want to do? They said, "We we just want to settle. We don't want to reach out. We don't want to get any bigger. We don't want to go any further. They settled. The last thing is that they did wrong. Does anybody know? This is probably the most obvious one. Their motives. Their motives were just really messed up. They compromised their motives. Why? What is it that they said? They said, let us build a city. And we're going to make it bigger. It's going to go all the way up into the heavens. So that we can make a name for ourselves. They said, our motives are not so that God or not so Jesus is lifted up. We want to be great so that we're lifted up. Come on, we always have to do the motive check, don't we? Come on, we want this business to be awesome, or we want our our, our community to be awesome. We want our nation to be awesome so that we can be the most powerful or the most blessed or the most best. No, listen, we want to be great for Him. Come on, we want to be great. The Bible says when God is lifted up, when Jesus is lifted up, all men are drawn unto him. That that our assignment is to lift him up. Their motives, James said it like this in James chapter 4, verse 3. Put it up there, uh, Mandy. I don't have time to turn to it. I turned to it, but it says you ask and you do not receive because you ask amiss. What's amiss mean? just means your motives are messed up. It says because you, you want to spend it on your own pleasure. What's that mean? He says, well, you've got to get that dream. You have to get that vision. And you have to hook your voice up to that vision. And you've got to be able to pursue that vision and, and, and work for it and not compromise with it. And yet you also have to do it with Him in mind. Come on, the reason that God came down and messed everything up was not because it was too big or because it was too good. He messed it all up because th- th- their heart was wrong. He said, listen, you're not doing what I told you to do. I don't care how successful you are. I didn't tell you to do that. I told you to do this. And he says, and the only reason that you are what you are is so that you can make a name for yourself. And it goes out and that he, he took one language and he made it thousands of languages. There's 6,900 languages right now on our planet that are known languages. Just when Columbus landed in America, there was 300 languages. But because of the power of English, now it's down to, in North America, there's 165 known languages. That's not just America. That's not like, you know, Ebonics or nothing like that. These are like... Uh, not just American languages. These are South America, Colombia. There's 165 languages. Papua New Guinea has 832 languages. There's languages after languages after languages. And yet the Bible's only been translated into 2,500. That means there's four, over 4,000 people groups that have never heard the Bible, never read the Bible. 4,000 languages that have yet to hold a Bible in their hand. Come on, I know Jesus is coming back, but there's a lot of work left to do. 
because he's not going to come back and let 4,000 people groups step over into eternity without an opportunity to know him. And we've done really good. We've translated 2,500 Bibles into known languages, but we have over 4,000 left to go. Listen, let's bring it all home. The body, it's an amazing, wonderful creation. The body of Christ is wonderful. It's amazing. We're all needed. We all have our own purpose. But if we don't unify ourselves together and say, this is our vision, this is our voice, this is our purpose, this is where we're going, this is where we're doing. The last scripture I'm going to leave you with is in Acts chapter 4. I love the book of Acts because this is the church. The New Testament church is in the book of Acts. Jesus has gone on to heaven. And he's left his disciples. And he told his disciples, he gave them the Great Commission. He says, go into all the world, preach, teach the gospel, make disciples. And they went out and did that. And Jesus said, he says, listen, the same miracles that I'm doing, you're going to do even greater miracles than these. And the Bible says that they would walk down the street and just their shadow would fall on sick people. And sick people weren't sick anymore because of just the acts, the, just the apostle's shadow would fall on them. So they would come back just going bananas because they're like, man, our shadows are healing people. Man, we can cast out devils in your name. Jesus says, listen, don't get so excited about that. Get excited that your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. But they were going out all over the city doing amazing things well how 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 was that possible what were they doing acts chapter 4 verse 23 it says being let go they went to their own company i mean it's good to know who your company is it says after they went to their own company they repeated reported all that the chief priests and elders had said verse 32 it says and a multitude of those who believed were of one heart everybody say one one heart and one soul What's that mean? They got together and th- that body got in, unit- got in unity. They become one heart, one purpose, one vision, one soul. Soul is your mind, your will, your emotions. And you can see this body of believers in the book of Acts. They've aligned their purpose with Jesus. They've aligned their voice with Jesus. They've aligned their actions with Jesus. One heart, one soul. What's the result of it? It says multitudes believed neither did anyone own his own things he possessed was his own that he had all things in common and with great power everybody say power what's that mean it's just some muscles started getting activated right there steps were starting to be made great power the apostles gave witness to the resurrection of the lord and great grace was upon them all what's the key to power must have have something to do with one heart one vision one purpose, one soul. What's the key to grace? Everybody likes to talk about the grace of God. Well, this is, it comes through a body of people that got together. Listen, there's grace for marriages, but there's got to be some communication and some vision and a voice between the, the, the husband and the wife. There has to be in, in business and in, in community, whatever it is. Come on, God wants us to be unified, our voice, our actions. Praise God. Let's pray together. I'm done. Thank God for His goodness this morning. Glory to God. Thank you, Lord, for how wonderful you are. Thank you, Lord, that great grace is an option for us. It's available for us. Thank you, Father God, that great power is available. It's an option for us. Uh, Thank you, Lord, that we have to be unified in our purpose, unified in our vision, unified in our voice, and be committed to see it through. Thank you, Lord, for that there's people here that have dreams, have visions. Some of them, they had a dream five years ago or ten years ago. It's time to dust off that dream. Come on and pick it up again. 
hook their voice up to what you say is possible. All things are possible to us as believers. Glory to God. Thank you, Lord, for how wonderful you are, that you are a dream giver. Thank you, Lord, that you give us the words to say that we line up our confession with you this morning. The possibilities of God are with you. Glory to God. Thank you, Lord. If you're here, you need to be saved, need to be born again. Uh, I'd like to pray with you. I'd like to pray for you to make Jesus the Lord of your life. But not just that. This morning, I also like to pray. If you're here, you say, you know what? I had a dream, or you know, and I actually, I actually started kind of getting a little plan together about how I was going to accomplish that dream. And then the dream fell through. Could be a dream of a business or the dream of a home or a family. The dream of having kids. You say, you know, we always want to just, just uh, whatever your dream is. Come on, sometimes you've got you to gotta take that thing out and, and recommit to it and say, God, I recognize that it's not too late. With you, all things are possible. That if I'll hook my voice up to your word, then I can absolutely do it. Come on, some of the greatest accomplishments in humanity came from people that just tried again. They said, I will not stay down. I will arise. I love Micah 7, verse 8. It says, Rejoice not over me, O my enemy. Though I have fallen, I shall arise. Come on, sometimes you just got to tell the devil and tell your circumstances, even tell your family, don't rejoice at my failures because I shall arise. If you're here this morning and you say, I just need to get up. Come on, I've got a dream. I've got something in my heart that I want to accomplish. I'd like to pray with you, pray for you. I ask you to raise your hand if that's you. You just say, I just acknowledge. Say, man, I just want to, come on, I just, I don't, I don't feel like I'm done. Glory to God. Thank you, Lord, that you dust off dreams. Glory to God. Thank you, Lord. You're the convictor. You're the convincer. Thank you, Lord, that you speak to the hearts of your people.